Welcome to all. If I have not got a chance to meet you yet, my name is Pastor Dave. I'm the pastor at Cave First and just want to just greet you and just welcome you to uh, another service. Uh, we are in a series on Ephesians and if you look and you see people's Bibles are thinner than yours, we, we're, we've been using scripture journals uh, that we just have for $3 in uh, the lobby if you want one on your way out. I love using scripture journals for my own um, daily office or my own quiet time with the Lord and so that's why I'm preaching um, out of my iPad and my scripture journal. Uh, just hit me all of a sudden when a guest comes in to like, did they get rid of most of the Bible and that's all they use? Just had that moment and thought I should kind of explain. Uh, the series is called Masterclass, not because I am the teacher of the Masterclass, it's just because we believe Paul is that teacher of the Masterclass where he wrote this letter to be circulated throughout the region to help um, really pinpoint two ideas that he wanted embedded in the church itself. Chapters one through three, who is Christ? What is the kingdom? And chapters four through six, how to live this out. Uh, I will tell you in two weeks, we've got, I think he's the favorite outside speaker for K-First from what I hear from people. Uh, we've got JP Dorsey will be coming in and he's, yeah, look at that. I don't even get those woohoos. Um, He's gonna be coming in and teaching on uh, Ephesians chapter five, so you do not want to miss that. Um, back in, um, why was it, 97 when I began ministry, uh, when you're a youth pastor, one of the, the things that you're in charge of doing is to name the youth group, because that's an important thing. Marketing is important. And so I inherited Battle Zone Youth Ministries, and now that title alone tells you it was named in maybe the late 80s, early 90s, Battle Zone Warriors for Jesus, all right. Sounds very 80s, early 90s. And so I was in charge of naming the youth group, and so um, I just started on this search and this journey, pulling the youth group, and got all sorts of weird ideas from the youth group, and uh, all of a sudden this kid gave an idea, and so I started talking with my best friend, Aaron, because Aaron was in the midst of naming the youth group that he just inherited, and I can't remember what his was called. Uh, and so him and I are talking about ideas, and I felt like I went off the deep end. And I perhaps picked what I feel is the lamest youth group name in the history of youth group names. Now, granted, you go on youthmanager.com, you will find lamer names. I discovered that, so I did feel a little bit better. Um, but I remember naming my youth ministry Fire and Rain Youth Ministry. And some of you are thinking, I see fire, I see, all right. Um, and now the word rain was spelled R-E-I-G-N, gotcha. Get that? Fire the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus reigning in our lives. You're like, oh, that's good. It, it's not, let's just admit it. It was a terrible youth group name, so much that when the following youth pastor took over for me, he changed it almost immediately. Terrible name. My best friend though, he really kind of whittled it down to three youth group names because he just wanted like a vision to rally around. And so he got down to his three finals, the, the three favorites that he really was leaning toward. And so he made a phone call to MTV and he somehow got connected to their head of marketing for the entire station. Because he thought if anybody knows the culture of where students are at right now, back in the mid nineties, he said like, this is, the group that wouldn't do it and the marketing agency or the marketing people for MTV would know what kind of speaks to them. And so he called up, somehow again, got to the head of marketing and said, I'm gonna throw three youth group names at you and I want you to tell me what you think. And the one that caught the ear of the MTV exec 
was the name All Access. And he's like, why do you want to call it All Access? He says, because he goes, I thought of like a backstage pass. I thought about all access to a band, all access to, to things that other people that just showed up don't have access to. And he's like, I think that's a brilliant name. And so Aaron named his youth group All Access. And it stuck that way for like 15, almost 20 years. And I mean, I was always envious of his name, but really what made Aaron upset was about four months later, can I tell you, there was a brand new show that began on MTV. Do you wanna know what the name was? Not one royalty has come to my best friend's youth group. <laughs> nothing for missions, nothing for Jesus, and no acknowledgement that a youth pastor from Michigan gave them this idea. Now you may say, how do you know? That's just what Aaron and I believe live in our little fantasy world here. When I thought of a message, when I think about Ephesians chapter three, I think about the words all access. Because as we begin to see the chapters are transitioning now where chapters one through three, who Jesus is, what, what the kingdom is about, chapter four, how to live it out. We get this amazing transition. And what Paul begins to kind of pinpoint in this chapter is it is time for us to stop living in such a way where we understand who God is because God has given us, as we see in verses one through 13, God has given us all access to him. But the question is, and that's what Paul brings up in his prayer in verse 14, is even though we have all access to God through Jesus, does Jesus have all access to us? This is the prevailing thought that Paul is trying to drive home. Now again, like I said, verses one through 13, if you, we're not gonna read those verses there because Paul is really reiterating everything that he has been talking about for the past two chapters. I don't think we need to reiterate all of that. But when, when you look at the uh, verse number 14, it says this, for this reason. Circle the word this, because if you have not read the previous two and a half chapters, you need to stop right where you're at and go back and read. For this reason, for the, what's the reason? For Christ showing up, for Christ showing you his grace. Uh, remember when we talked about being in Christ. Remember when we talked about flowing in, in the move and in, in the work of Christ. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom ever, every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and width, excuse me, depth, and know that the love of Christ that surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all that we ask or Think according to the power at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Let us pray this morning. Jesus, we give you these moments and we give you these, this time together and ask that you would just have all, just, we ask God, would you just come in and have access to every part of our lives? Through your son, Jesus, we have access to you, the father, and Lord, for so often, Lord, we block off areas of our life. We just give you full access today, asking that there would be change in our life so that our lives can look more like you. And Lord, what I do in this, uh, this Sunday, Lord, is I speak over our nation, I speak over your people. And Lord, I just speak the healing virtue of the Lord over every single person. 
the sons and daughters of this nation, God, we're in a place where we are hurting, we are broken, God. Lord, some are angry, some are upset, some are happy and elated, but the reality is, Lord, we are a fractured nation that is in need of your healing touch. And Lord, it is my prayer that this church, your church, the global church, that Lord, what you would do in and through us, God, would not further fracture, but Lord, that we would be agents of healing, peace, mercy, grace, wisdom, and strength for our nation around us. Utilize your church as a healing agent for our nation. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. My main question this morning that I will begin with and end with is just simply this, is we have all access to God, have we given him all access to us? We've been given access to God, have we given him all access to us? And what we've got is we've got this amazing prayer that Paul has given us in um, Ephesians, I almost said Galatians, Ephesians chapter three, that Jesus, again, verses one through 13, he's the revelation of God. This is who he is. This is what he's about. Paul seems like for the past two and a half chapters, he's almost repeating himself because he wants to get an emphasis for who Jesus is, what Jesus is like, and he wants us to engage in the presence of God. He wants to us to engage in with Jesus and not just engage in it, but begin to walk in that reality because when we begin to walk in the reality of who Jesus is, that reality begins to change us. Imagine if somebody walked up to you off the street and you recognize them as a local millionaire. And that millionaire walked up to you and gave you a million dollar check. How many of you would go home and just frame it and have that up on your wall and think to yourself, this is amazing that this man blessed me with a million dollar check. Most of us wouldn't do that. We might copy it and then frame the copy, but what would most of us do? We would go to the bank and we would deposit it. Why? Because we wanna access what we've been given. But I wonder if, I wonder if one of the problems that we've got in church and in church life is that we have been given blessings. We have been given access to Jesus, that we have been given access to love, mercy, grace, and power. But I wonder if because we only look at it and we appreciate it or we sing about it or we think about it on Sundays, is, is if that's what we're doing, is we just kind of look at it. We, we, we kind of take glory in what we've got there in front of us, but we never actually act access that which has been put in front of us. Because understand this, that hearing, excuse me, that spiritual maturity is more than, about, more than just information, it is about application. There are tons of people who think they're spiritually mature because they have books of the Bible memorized or they have pedigree in going to church. But let me tell you this, that going to church and having spiritual maturity is not just about information. Information is good, but application is where the rubber meets the road, as my dad would say. Application is where we take that which we know and we begin to put it into practice. And the substance of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter three is that we would do more than just know about Jesus, but that Jesus might change our life. And so there's four specific things that I wanna point out to you today out of Paul's prayer. If you've taken notes or you got your scripture journals out, you're like me, you use sticky notes in your scripture journals to help you out, do whatever. Take some notes this morning, write this down. Paul first and foremost prays that we might have the strength of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, 
that he may grant you to be strengthened, circle that, with power through what? His spirit in your inner being. He gives power according to the riches of glory. Now, verse 16, if you got your scripture, journal, circle the word according. Because it doesn't say that Jesus gave you out of his riches. He said he gave according to his riches. You're like, well, Pastor Dave, why is that a big deal? All right, we, we use the millionaire as an example. Let's go to the next level. Let's go to billionaire. A billionaire, if he were to walk up to somebody on the street and give them a dollar, he gave something out of his riches. Not much, I would say. But if a billionaire walked up to you, instead of giving you a dollar, he gave you a billion dollars, how many of us would just be shouting joy? And then you can go buy the lions and rescue that franchise, but we're not gonna get into that. I probably get a deal nowadays, Never mind. But a billionaire giving $1 out of his billion gave you a, out of his riches. But a billionaire that gave you a billion dollars didn't give out of his, his riches, he gave according to his riches. There is a difference. What Jesus does for us, according to Paul, is that he gives us according to the riches of his glory. That means that Jesus does not give you just a little tip of his blessing. He doesn't give you a little taste of his blessing. That Jesus gives you according to what he has. And if all power and all authority, if all grace and all everything comes from him and is him, then that which he can do through your life will blow you away if we're just willing to access it. And it says this, that Paul is asking that the strength that he wants to give you is according to who he is, but he wants to strengthen that inner person. So the question is this, is what is your inner person? Great question, I'm gonna answer that for you. The inner person is where your decisions are made. Your inner person is where your feelings are. Your inner person is where your emotions are hidden. And, and God is saying in his scriptures, that's where I want to strengthen you. Paul says, Paul's praying to the Father, I want you to strengthen your church in that inner place. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, so we do not lose heart that although our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our outer self is wasting away, but the inner self is renewed day by day. Have you ever met somebody who was maybe in, um, in their later days of their life where you saw a body wasting away, but there was something strong about their resolve? Last week, I held the hand of Donna Slater. She just passed away a few, years, a few days ago, and I held up her hand, we talked, and there was a strength that was just coming from her spirit. How does that happen? That's what Paul is praying for, because even though this body can be struggling, this body can be breaking down, there is something that God can do deep on the inside and give you inner strength. And for, so every, for every person that is battling on the inside, maybe you're struggling with depression, maybe you're struggling with hopelessness, maybe you're struggling with anger, there is something fractured and broken. There is a spirit of God that comes down upon you. He is called the Holy Spirit, and he wants to come do more than help you feel good during a Sunday morning. He wants to strengthen and heal and build up your inner person. 
It says, how? With his power. The word power there in the Greek language is the word dunamis. We get the word dynamite or dynamic. There is a dynamic power that takes place when the spirit of God comes in. And it causes us to ask ourselves when it comes to our inner selves, where do we find a source of strength for our inner selves? Where do we find encouragement? Where do we find a place to get peace in our emotions or strength for temptation or help to get, uh, to get to this reality of who we are in Jesus? Let me tell you that you can run to sources and you can run to books to get help with your inner person. I'm writing my third book and that's exactly what I'm writing on right now. But I'm gonna tell you what, my book, it may help you out a little bit, but the reality is that there is only one help, there's only one source, and there's only one power that can absolutely bring you absolute sustain strength, joy, and healing in your life. And it's from the power of the Spirit of God. And so when it comes to the inner self, we've got to begin to draw the line and begin to ask ourselves, what are we trusting in and what are we allowing on the inside? Are we allowing God to have all access or have we given all access to other things? And I wrote this down earlier this week that some of us need to stop complaining about the devil we are granting access to. Some of us, we have granted access to so many other things and we've wondered why some struggles have come our way. And I'm wondering today, I wonder today if God just wants to remind just one person today that you know what, you're granting access to so many things in your life and it has never solved one thing. Why not give God a try? Why not open up your life to the Lord? You've opened up your life to other things. It's time to open up your life to the Lord and let the power of the Holy Spirit come in your life and to strengthen your inner being. So number two, number two, it says, Paul says that we would know the depth, the depth of knowing Christ, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're going to stop right there. That he would dwell. That word dwell means to settle down and to feel at home. Write that in your scripture journal. Circle the word. It means to settle down and feel at home. When my wife and I moved to Kalamazoo 11 years, coming up on 12 years ago, we rented for the first year because we didn't know where we wanted to live. We we had no clue where we wanted to live. Um, And so we rented a condo for 12 months. And to be honest, it was a great place to live. We met some great friends. We met friends that we're still friends with to this day. That was wonderful. But we were unsettled because we knew that's not where we were going to reside for the duration of our time in Kalamazoo. And for Paul is saying, give Jesus a home to settle and dwell. He doesn't want to be a visitor on a Sunday. He doesn't want to be a visitor a few times a week. Give him a place to dwell, a place to feel at home. And Paul is really challenging us to look at our lives like a home. Robert Munger is an author and he wrote a book called, it's a very famous book called My Heart, Christ's Home. And he wrote this. Your Christian life is like a house. Jesus through the Holy Spirit will enter a heart, settle down and wants a home. And he uses this idea of a home and the visual rooms and he picks out a room and he would say, Munger says, what, what would that room look like for Jesus to be at home? He looks at a dining room and a living room and he says, what should be removed for Jesus to feel at home and be the center of the activities of your lives? Munger then talks about workplaces, classroom spaces, and he says, what needs be removed in each room in order that Jesus would feel at home? And then he brings up a closet and he says, what is hiding in the recesses of your heart? 
where the things are hidden, would Jesus feel at home there? Those words of Munger honestly have challenged my heart all week to begin look at my life. If I looked at my life like, like rooms, and it's something that us Americans can tend, tend to do, we love to ca- like categorize our lives into this type of life. We've got our private life, our spiritual life, our work life, our play life, our this life, our that life. But that, it's from that I wrote these simple words. Access is influence. And what I allow, I endorse. And those, that beautiful book challenges my heart to say, what am I allowing in my life? So instead of looking at my life and, and, and compartmentalizing my life into different sections, and, and what we tend to do in the church, we do it this way. We have our spiritual life and our secular life. How do I know we do that? Because back in the 80s, we really did that with our music. I don't know if any of you grew up in 80s and 90s Christian music, we had our secular music and our Christian music. Or oh, I've heard people, say, I've, heard, I've heard pastors say this, well, uh, I'm a Bible vocational, I've got my sacred job and I've got my secular job. But what if, what if we were to look at our life and look at everything we do, not as secular and sacred, but we looked at every single part of our life as sacred? What if we looked at every part of our life as spiritual? The way we conduct business, the way we treat others, the way we social media, the way we interact with one another, the way we act in traffic, which doesn't help me all that much because uh, that, that convicts my own heart. Um, what, what if we looked and we stopped categorizing? This is what Paul is trying to say. He's trying to say that I want God help them to have this depth of knowing you. What, how do we get depth of knowing God? We get depth when we begin to stop categorizing, categorizing our lives and allowing Christ into a couple rooms in our life. But we come in and we say, Jesus, I want you to be comfortable settling down in every area of my life. How do we do that? It's a simple word, trust. It's saying, Jesus, I trust you with everything. I trust you with everything. I trust you with these areas. Lord, settle down, make yourself at home here. Some of us think depth comes from the simple, maybe, maybe things like prayer and worship and they're, they're massively important. I believe they're massively important. Some of us believe that depth comes from reading the scriptures and I believe that's massively important. But when we go that next step of doing more than just sing about it and we think about it and we pray about it, but we begin to apply it and we begin to invite Jesus into those areas and say, God, I trust you with my thought life. I trust you with my word life. I trust you with my work life. I trust you with my married life. I trust you with my parenting life. I trust you with my single life. When we invite him in, that's where the depth comes in, which leads me to number three. It goes on to say in verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. I love that, that we, number three, might comprehend the love. I love this prayer, that we might comprehend the love. Back in 2007, it's a a famous YouTube that you can watch. It's a great TED Talk. There is a man by the name of, let me get the name right here, David Gallo, who is one of the world's leading oceanographers, and he gave this talk 
and the topic was the ocean's astonishment. He showed pictures of fish that glowed in the dark. He showed pictures and video of, of octopus that could change to look like coral or change to look like sand or whatever it was its surroundings. And he begins to talk about the entire earth and he says this. He says, we know nothing of this planet. You're like, how do we know nothing? He says, when you think of everything that we've explored, he says, we have only explored 3% of our planet's ocean. We still know nothing. And the reason why I bring that up, because when I think about the depth and the greatness of God's love, I, I have studied it my whole adult life. I have studied who Jesus is my whole adult life. I've got the degree in it. I've got the credentials for it. I sing about it every Sunday. I mean, I, I talk about it almost every day with people. And let me tell you this, I still have yet to scratch the surface on the depths of God's love for you and for me. And I'm here to tell you that it's something that we should strive to know, something that should drive our lives that when we're in worship, instead of just singing what's on the screen, beginning to take things to heart and begin to search after God because we could spend a lifetime, lifetime searching him and realize that we've still yet to, we've still yet to scratch the surface. We still don't fully know him yet. Let us never become a people that get satisfied with what we know now. Let us be a people that almost have a holy dissatisfaction that says there's so much more to know of Jesus. There's so much more to experience in him. There's so much more that I need to invite him into my life. And I love the, the, the verbiage that Paul uses. He uses two specific words. He uses the word rooted and grounded. The word rooted is actually a plant term identifying a tree. What does the word rooted mean? It's that which stabilizes and that which nourishes that you would be rooted in the love of God, that the love of God would be what nourishes and stabilizes you. And then he utilizes this other term, grounded. That word grounded in the Greek language is actually an architectural term identifying a foundation. So Paul is saying that you would know, that you would comprehend God's love so much that the thing that feeds your life is not CNN or Fox News. What feeds your life is not the opinions of others. What feeds your life is not the likes that you get on social media. What feeds your life, what nourishes your life, what stabilizes your life, and what grounds and is the foundation of who you are is the love of Jesus. And he says in verse 13, pray that they would comprehend. That word in the Greek means this, to mentally grasp something to the point where you make it your own. This morning, you can make the love of Jesus your own. To grasp what Jesus has done and you realize that he's done it for you. And he's done it for me. That he's done it for all of us. That we can make it our own. And maybe to illustrate this even further, I don't know how many times that maybe you've ever heard people say, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. And maybe this morning you've heard that over and over, maybe your entire life, or maybe you've just heard it way too much today. I'm here to tell you that God's love, God loves you. But there's a difference between hearing that God loves you and then owning it and realizing that's for you. He loves you. He loves you. And it's time that we do more than just hear about it. It's time that we own God's love. Paul wants you to own it and to know the depths of it. And then he gives this four-dimensional breakdown of the love of God. He's, he's using the words breadth, length, height, 
and depth, the breadth that it reaches all people, all nations, able, able to cover every sin that we've ever committed, covering our sins, our needs, our worries, our problems. God's love has breadth to it, but it also has length, which means his love is eternal, existed before time, and it's never ending, and it's unconditional and will extend far after we're gone. His love has height. That means that the height of his love gives access to all the spiritual riches in heaven. It has depth. That means that when you're at your lowest point, God is able to reach down to the depths of where you are to pull you out. Why do we have this four-dimensional breakdown of love? It's to show how big, how great, how awesome God's love is for you and I. And it's time that we do more than just sing about it. Let's dive into it. Because the result is this, verse 19. The result that you may be filled with God's fullness. That you would be filled with God's fullness. Understand this, that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we put our trust, our faith in Jesus, that we are made complete. So when it comes to our position, where we're at in this world, our position is made complete. We don't have to work for that. We don't have to work for salvation. But when it comes to the practice, how we live out Jesus is how that love is made complete. How we live it out is how that his fullness fills us. See, fullness is not about showing up on a Sunday and we lift up our hands like this, like a little funnel, and then God just pours into our lives. It's, it's more than just that. We find the fullness, not just being received, fullness is living it out. I wrote down these words, action invites access. And when you put the gospel into action, you're inviting Jesus to have access into your daily life. That's the fullness he's talking about. That you may be filled with the fullness, that you would give access to him in every aspect so that as you're living it out, the spirit of God, the love of God finds every nook and cranny. That was my grandma's favorite words. Every nook and cranny of your life so that people don't ever see God hidden. He's revealed in your life. Look at verse 20 and I'll wrap up with this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask, all we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. Circle that word able. Because if you're feeling powerless this morning, he's able. You're feeling hurt this morning and you're wondering, will, will the chaos ever end? He's able to bring peace. Maybe you're not feeling full and maybe you've been searching for other things to fill up your life. He's able to fill your life. Maybe there are sections of your life that you've hidden away from God that you don't, you just, you don't want anybody else to know about your life. You know what? He knows about that area. He knows about that closet that you've kind of closed off to him. He knows about those dark areas of your life that you think nobody has ever noticed. And you know what? If you will invite him in, he is able to fill those areas. He will help heal the aching heart. He will help bind up the wounds. He will help give freedom to that thing that has held you captive for so many years. He is able. Back in Midland, I was, renov I was renovating our 
main bathroom and I was installing a tub. And I wanted to do it up, so I installed a, a, a tub that had jets on it while trying to rewire something. I heard a click and all of a sudden there was no power. And I was freaking out. I'm like, I just killed the house. And so, yeah, I'm very dramatic. And so I called up a friend in the congregation who was an electrician. And he's like, okay, describe what, you, what you're doing. Well, I demoed this and I took out this and I removed this. And then I tried hooking this up and, and something tripped and there's just no power. And he goes, well, let, let's go see something. And he just walked, literally walked up to the little switchboard. He just flipped one switch on the breaker and everything came back on which you would have thought I would have checked to begin with. <laughs> but sometimes when you're in the midst of demo and you're in the midst of trying to get life back together, sometimes something trips and you feel like that you've just lost power and you go into a little bit of panic and you can't notice or see things correctly or understand things. And some of you maybe feel that way this morning, that in the midst of whatever you're facing in this life or in this world, maybe the state of where things are at and you're walking in confusion, frustration or anger and you feel just disconnected from the power source. This was what Paul's prayer was about, is getting you connected. Just, not so you can have maybe power reconnected, it's so that your life can be reconnected and his life can come in your life and his life can be made full through your life. So the question I read to you at the very beginning is simply this. We have all access to God. Have we given all access to us? Today we're gonna step into this prayer in Jesus' name, bow your heads with me. Spirit of God, today we just make ourselves available to you. And I ask that today that you would help us because we are a people that like to guard ourselves. We like to keep things in secret. We like to look maybe, maybe better than what we are at times out of our own self-defense. But today, Lord, we just kind of let down our hair before you, God, and we just say, come into our lives. Just like the first day that we invited you in. And Lord, today, for every hurting heart, I pray that, Lord, you would just reconnect the power source. I pray that the Spirit of God would just come and fill and give power, give revelation. Lord, for every person that feels lost this morning, God, I pray that today in you that they would be found. Lord, for every person today that just feels lost, just feels empty, I pray that today as they would just cry out to you and make themselves available to you and trust in you, God, that they would find themselves filled with the fullness of God according to your blessing and your power. Today is your day.